0: Listening to from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show.
1: Welcome to from the cheap seats, Chris DeLambert, Professor Trent Nichols, and eventually Brandon Atkins will be in house. I, I don't. Brandon
0: know what's going Atkins. On. Brandon
1: Atkins. Where? where I, don't, I don't know where Brandon's at. No, Brandon is uh, coming in hot, and you don't know this yet, Trent. What? But I think we're going to get an, a special appearance from Diamond Dave Kaplan before the end of the day. What? Yes. No way. I'm. Yes, leaving. yes, yes. If we only if, roll if he him shows
0: out. up, I'm leaving. We, we, okay.
1: I'm. I'm gonna hold you to that. We only roll him out now in case of emergency, and the U.S. Open went down yesterday.
0: Oh, he's coming out of the woodwork? He's coming out of the woodwork, yes. See how sir. I did that? Ah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Thank you. Very so funny. So I, I feel like this is the last big sports weekend until football. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get, into, you, you, know, you get out of late spring and into the summer, and you just hit this little period where there's just not a whole lot going on. Now, the U.S. women's soccer team is going to try to prop up the next couple weeks for us and give us something to do. And they but other will. Other than that, you've got midseason baseball,
0: and you know who really who really needs that. I thought baseball started in uh, the middle of July.
1: No, it actually starts about the first week of September. Oh man, is, I need to start paying gets, attention earlier. Serious. Um, speaking of of baseball, college baseball, Justin Hare, head coach at Campbell, um, will be on with us here in about twenty five minutes or so. I'm excited about that. Awesome. I'm excited about that. In getting ready for that, I found out a little secret. I didn't realize that he's from Hamilton, Ohio, which is my stomping ground. It's ah. about 15 minutes from Cincinnati. I'm imagining he's a Reds fan, and I might just derail the whole interview, and we'll talk about the Reds for about half an hour. How's that sound? Are you excited about that? That
0: sounds great to me. I think Brandon <laughs> may uh, leave if that happens.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So did you catch any of the uh, U.S. Open yesterday? Oh, yeah. Final round? Yeah. What were your feelings? Just generally.
0: So, until there was a uh, cheap seat curse that uh, came oh, out early, oh, I did it. I felt like this was Kepka, was in a perfect spot. Yeah. And then he came out firing. He was like four under after the first five holes. Yeah. I threw that out there and I said, This is
1: Kepka. Kepka's got this thing. He comes out and is on fire. And I'm like, Yep, I knew this. This was, this was predictable and then sort of folded up down the stretch. It's hard to say that he folded up. I mean, he shot three under yesterday. Yeah. Um, but he was the only thing that kept that tournament afloat. And no offense to Gary Woodland, who who won the thing, just not a whole lot of star power there. He's like some guy.
0: But Gary Woodland, the whole time, you had to feel like the whole time he was going to choke. Yeah, at some point. And, and what did he end up with, like three bogeys the whole Four days,
1: yeah, something like
0: that. It's crazy. Go
1: throwing stats.
0: I I don't know. Well, I really paid attention. There was nothing else. He
1: just—he seemed like a guy that would have been the fourth in a scramble tournament I put together. He had some amazing (laughs) shots. I don't want to take anything away from his win, but he's not the type guy that you know. He's not going to parlay this into you know three more major victories over the next ten years. He was right. You know, kind of put everybody to sleep the first two rounds. And then did enough to hold on. Yeah. Uh, Pebble Beach played to his game. We'll get some legitimate analysis of the of the U.S. Open at some point as we move forward. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun, and at least it was exciting up until about two holes left. So yeah. you know, there we are. So Father's Day is coming. Gone. Um, what is your preference, you guys? Because Brandon is here now. Well, welcome, hey guys. Aboard, hey guys. Um, you guys, what is your preference for Father's Day? All of us have multiple children. We've been dads for long enough that, you know, we're accustomed to Father's Day and we have things we like to do. Would you prefer to do something with the family or would you prefer that the family just kind of get out of your way? Do you want me to go first?
2: Yeah. I just want to be left alone. I mean, I hate to say that. I want my kids at arm's distance. I want to see them. Um, In fact, yesterday we did do something. We did Sunday brunch because my oldest is going out to California for the Westward Mound stuff. Like, so I'm going to be missing her for a long time. Clarice, be safe out there. But, yeah, mostly I just want to, like, you know, just throughout the day have, you know, the cooler full of maybe some beverages that I I prefer. I like to kind of poke around the yard like an, you know, an old person picking up pine cones. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I just mostly just kind of like, hey, I love you guys. Thanks for the Father's Day good wishes, but mostly just leave me alone.
1: Have you gotten to the point, has there been a moment in your life yet where your kids have glossed you with a gift where you were like,
2: that was awesome? Actually, it happened a what? yesterday. They what? both, I mean, this sounds kind of corny, but they both painted pictures for me. Clarice gave me a plant. I'm sure I'll kill it within a couple of weeks. <laughs> but, um, they did both do really awesome pictures. You know, we're probably going on going to London uh, this summer, and they painted pictures that were
1: London-themed. It was very thoughtful. Actually. They're just trying to drive that home. They're trying to make sure
0: Lock it you in. get
1: them to England. They're like, yeah. oh, how, how could you not take us Lock now? Lock it in. Look, Dad, we painted you pictures. All right, you just ruined the gifts. For Sorry, me. man. Trent. What's your what's your perfect Father's Day look like?
0: So I, I try to think about it in my past life. I think I worked a lot, so Father's Day wasn't you know as big of a deal. You were making Father's Day good for other people, other people. Yeah, we and appreciate sacrificing that. that. But uh, I think uh, you know I like having them around, but I kind of like having the freedom of just chilling on the couch and doing what I do on every day.
1: So <laughs> on an ordinary weekend, my wife knows that before I get in the shower, I'm not doing anything. If I'm going out and I'm going to build some some tables, I'm going to shower before I do that. I, don't, I literally can't function until I take a shower. Last night, I got in the shower about 11 o'clock, oh which is all you need to know is that I was sitting around nasty all day, which was my signal to everybody. My wife, in particular, I wasn't doing anything. So... I, I had what I considered a pretty close to perfect day. Um, so were you on the couch all day? On what? the couch all day. I watched. The US you have women, a really
2: plush couch. It is one a you can very sink into
1: couch. and just go away. Yes, and and I'm quick to fuss when we get too sedentary and we don't do anything. But my wife, the one thing that she has taught me in our years of marriage, is how to do nothing. Yeah. And I'm becoming an expert. I'm not quite on her level yet. When she chooses to do nothing, she's really, really good. She she doesn't not just not get in the shower and sit on the couch. She, like, doesn't move out of one spot. And I have to go over there and put my hand over her face make sure she's breathing. <laughs> but, no, I um, I sat around. I watched the U.S. women put it on chili. Um, then I flipped over and I watched Cincinnati beat the brakes off of the Rangers to hold off the sweep. And uh, then I flipped over and watched the U.S. Open all day. Yeah, you ruined the you ruined the Open because
2: I when I saw your Kepka kept text, no. I'm like, I'm not even going to watch this,
0: this now. This is awful. I was so sad because I was hoping you'd go for that 3 Pete. Yeah. Well, he went for it, I but I was hoping it. he'd achieve it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, at this point, I, we used to joke, not even joke. I mean, the question used to be Tiger versus the field. I, at this point... Every major that we're going into, I'm like Kepka. I'll take Kepka against the field. I really will. And if Tiger shows up in his in his, uh, you know, a story on Sunday, that's great. But I like watching Kepka, and I really feel like Kepka can move into that realm where, you know, he's one of the all time greats. I think he's already, you know, he's already locked in the Hall of Fame. And at this point, he's playing with house money. And, you know, he didn't disappoint yesterday other than the fact that he left a couple shots out there. But.
2: Well, the cool thing about this open, because I did watch day two, I didn't follow it that closely, is Pebble Beach. The beauty of Pebble Beach actually translates through the TV unlike any other course, I think. you know, I mean, Masters always looks amazing. But, you know, you have you know, literally the beaches and the water and stuff. It's kind of a cool – I guess they zoom back on that. That course during the tournament when it, when it lands to open more than any other, I
1: think. Well, you're it's a real estate course. guy, and yeah. I have a, I have a real estate question for yes, you, Yes, sir. You you talk about how it translates on TV. What translates to me on TV is that there are actual houses on the course and on the beach, and I'm wondering, not because I'm in the market to buy one, but where how many how many places in America. Could it possibly be more expensive to build a house than on the beach at Pebble Beach mm. on the golf course? See, that part of it just makes
2: me feel lesser of a man. When I see <laughs> when I see those houses, that's something I'm like, I will never achieve that. And it's probably a good thing because if I had a house right on Pebble Beach, speaking of not doing anything all day long, <laughs> I would be walking straight out the door and... Probably hit my ball into the water all day long. But I would be playing that course literally every day of my life, not getting anything else done.
1: Uh, uh, Trent, where could it possibly be more expensive to build a house? Where it's conceivable, because obviously, you know, downtown Manhattan in Times Square, it'd be a little bit more expensive. You know, if you developed the lawn at the White House, it'd be a little bit more expensive. Where, where, where you could actually put a house, could it possibly be more expensive than... At Pebble
0: Beach. Uh, I if they let you build on Augusta, maybe I don't I have oh, come on. no idea. Come on. Yeah. There's nothing. You got me. Nothing. I got I
2: stumped you? You yeah. did you stumped both of us. Wow. To the point where I ignored your question.
0: Yeah. I mean Brooks the last six majors kept has been in first, 39th, first, second, first, second.
1: That's unbelievable. That's a run. So Does Kepka have enough moxie and enough personality to propel himself into sort of Tiger realm?
0: I think looking at Kepka, I mean, he is so serious on there. And I've never really actually heard him with the press or whatever that he may fall into that bad guy that everyone loves to hate. And he's so good. And he might embrace that. But isn't that what Tiger was?
1: I mean, there were an awful lot of folks that used to grumble about Tiger, even though they appreciated his greatness.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. I no, I think he rose above that. I think Tiger rose above that that he was beloved by the majority of the people than hated by the majority.
1: Okay, this is the question I want you guys to think about during the break because Kepka's got a lot of work to do. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 5 or 10 years worth of this type of winning to get to where Tiger's at. But who has had the better career up to this point? lefty or Kepka? Because I'll take Kepka over Mickelson right now at their peak.
2: I like Kepka because it always seems like that Mickelson either comes in second or third. It seems like that's what you're constantly hearing. So he seems kind of like not a
1: loser, but always second place. All right. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're hanging out from the cheap seats. See you in a minute.
0: Stay tuned.
1: From the cheap seats, we'll be right back.
3: Adopt US Kids presents multiple choice parenting.
4: You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you a. It's spiritual.
5: Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit poolsafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission.
3: A message from the American Migraine Foundation.
6: It's an absolute nightmare.
0: There's pain that does not stop.
3: I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease.
6: I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body.
3: Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected.
1: are listening to From the Cheap Seats, a bunch of guys who have never been fired from ESPN. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats, Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, talking a little sports. And guys, there was some cool stuff going on this weekend. But for me, because I'm a I'm a nerd, the biggest thing was the Anthony Davis trade. And Brandon, I know this like made your year, literally. To see I, that LeBron's going to have a Robin now, talk to talk about your feelings and, and what it means. Well, I
2: think and correct me if I'm wrong, or if they've changed. They went directly to being seven to two odds favorites in Vegas. So, like Vegas is not typically wrong. Am I right about that, Trent? Is no, that still pretty, holding
0: up? They're pretty good.
2: And for me, you know, I'm a LeBron fan, but it's just like Jalen Rose said, the NBA won. Like, th- what's hotter than the NBA right now? You got. Anthony Davis joining LeBron James with the chance that they might get a high-end point guard, and you got all these moving parts. What's Kyrie going to do? What's Kevin Durant going to do? How he's going to? How is he going to come back? Kawhi, what is his decision going to be? And uh, I, I just could. I you couldn't ask for a more exciting NBA at this point, and they're not even playing ball right now.
1: Well, the NBA over the course of the last few years, you know, has caught up to the NFL in terms of the intrigue in their offseason. And this is kind of a way to kick off the, the uh, free agency period three weeks before it actually kicks off. Um, you know, the Lakers went from almost assuredly adding a superstar piece or two, even if the Anthony Davis deal didn't work out, and then over the course of a couple of days, you know, Kawhi Leonard wins a championship, which may have a dramatic impact on what his intentions are. I honestly believe... Well, if I had to if I had to place a bet today, I think Kawhi is staying in Toronto. Um, You're probably right. The other piece of that is, I think if Kawhi moves to L.A., I think he's going to the Clippers and not the Lakers. That's just a gut feeling. Um, I don't know what his relationship with LeBron is and how it impacts it. I really nobody really seems to know how Kawhi feels about going and playing with a superstar of the magnitude of LeBron. Um, I just don't get the feeling that the Lakers are the spot for him. And and we've talked about this offline, and I'm not going to bog down on this. Steve Ballmer, who bought the Clippers a couple years ago, is one of the wealthiest people in the world. And he is committed to building a winner in there in L.A. The Clippers had a, a representative from the franchise at virtually every single game Kawhi played. And that kind of commitment, that kind of tenacity in the Clippers pursuit, I think is is different than anybody else that's out there doing it. But Durant goes down with a torn Achilles. Durant may be eighteen months from even being able to able to play basketball. And Clay Thompson, who doesn't necessarily wasn't necessarily going to leave in the first place, now just kind of screwed everything up because it's not an option. So the free agency landscape changed dramatically. None of it to the benefit of the Lakers. We had all kind of, uh, you know, we we've heard all of these names before associated with Anthony Davis at the at the deadline. Um, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So, do the Lakers,
2: or both of you, have a question? Are the Lakers best served to get the number three superstar, or to get depth? And good talent all around
1: Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Where do they come out best? That's a great question because they're only going to be able to do one or the other. I mean, you've got two guys now that are tying up $65 million of your cap space. You've got two options at this point. You can either go get some really solid free agent pieces to build depth, or you can go seeking one more superstar. If they go get that superstar, whether it be Kimball Walker, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, whomever, That's going to chew up all that space, and you're going to see a whole bunch of veteran minimum deals and one year, you know, sort of plug ins. Because right now, it it depends on who that superstar is,
2: frankly, to me. It's it's like Kimba Walker, I think, would almost be the best fit out of everybody, even though, you know, Kawhi Leonard is just amazing. But if you do get one of those guys as the Lakers, don't you think you and I and Trent will be getting a phone call to, to, like, Play out there with the Lakers because that's the, about the only people that they can afford at this point. Me
0: or
1: you might get that call. Trent, no.
2: Yeah. Oh, you've um, never seen Trent game. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't need to. I
1: don't yeah, need, to. Yeah, it's need an, to. It's an intuitive thing. Okay. No, Trent, well, but no, I mean. I can foul like no other. Yeah, right? <laughs> there is no telling. Now, when you say that Kimba is the best fit with the Lakers, I, I almost agree with you. Okay. You think Kyrie? In my eyes, Kyrie is the best fit. Yeah. And the difference between the two is Kimba plays – he is a very ball-dominant player. And Kimba's not going to lend a whole lot to a team offensively playing off the ball. Now, is LeBron able to defer and let the let the offense run through Kimba? I don't know. But I know that I've seen Kyrie and LeBron play at their best, and I know that they're a better fit together. Kyrie doesn't necessarily have to have the ball as much as Kimba to be effective – Kimba's one of the smaller point guards in the NBA. Certainly guys that you would call a star, he's the smallest of those. So he's a little bit of a defensive liability. Uh, of course, Kyrie's no stopper. But I think Kyrie is the best fit. It's going to be very interesting for me to see um, well, on that what point, the Lakers do. But – Go ahead and make your point. Well, on that point, do you think
2: some of these players were on the fence and watched the AD – Chip drop and make it change their mind and say, "I would like to be in LA now." Do you feel like that was a big? I know it's a big deal in for these players specifically. Do you feel like it changed their mind? Maybe.
1: I mean, there are some. I think that that some of these guys have already determined where they're going. I believe just having said that, Kyrie's the best fit in LA. I think that Kyrie Irving signing with Rock Nation, Jay Z's agency, who is huge in the New York area. I think that certifies for me that he's headed to Brooklyn, which just is lo- which is really where I thought he was going all along. The whole time when people were talking about the Knicks, I never felt like Kyrie was going to the Knicks. Kyrie, just don't lean over Beyonce to offer Jay-Z a yeah, drink. Don't do that. Don't do that. That, you that would not with... go well. You, you, you'll get roasted on Twitter and people that don't threats. know what's going yes. on with that. He likes Jeez. lime.
0: You don't have to lean over and ask him. He likes lime in his drink. <laughs> Where, what are you, where, where that's do you, what she was asking I, when she leaned over. Do you want a lime? Was, and he said, "Yeah, I like lime." And that got
2: her death threat. Yep. You that, think if creepy. I leaned over Nedge to ask you if you, what kind of drink you wanted to, would
1: she like snap my head off? It depends. Or give on me how, the death stare. It, it depends on how close you got to her because she's like a, a space person. Yeah, she's space. So if you got into her space, she might. You, you're cool. She, she'd be all right. But if it was a you know if it was a rando, okay. yeah, it wouldn't work out. Wouldn't work out, and and she probably would have given her even worse, an even worse. Because Nanji is capable of giving that look. Oh, dude, <laughs> yes.
2: I've seen her look at you like you had best get in that shower because you get you're about, to, <laughs> you're about to build these shelves.
1: <coughs> <coughs> so I think you got me. <laughs> you got me. So I want to talk to you guys real quick. We're, Justin Hare will be uh, will be with us in, in inside the next ten minutes. But I want to talk real quick, and we can reset this if we need to. U.S. Uh, U.S. women's team caught a lot of grief in their first round of group play at the World Cup in France when they put 13 on Thailand. And by any measure, you have to concede 13 is excessive. However, did, did either of you guys watch the entire game, I U.S. Did. versus Thailand? I did watch it. Now, did you watch... The game with Chile yesterday. I did not watch it. I would venture to say that there, and I know this sounds crazy, but bear with me. The beating they put on Chile yesterday was worse than what they did to Thailand. The difference is that Chile trotted out one of the best goalkeepers in the world, who was, you know, to use a hockey analogy, standing on her head and denied the U.S. at the goal. Half a dozen times, single-handedly, maybe closer to 10. It it was an amazing performance. You guys both played competitive soccer. I have never seen a game at that level so dominant on defense. I want you to wrap your heads around this as I say it, and I haven't seen anybody else say this. I went back and watched a couple of instances to make sure I'm not telling a lie here. Chile never possessed the ball inside the US penalty area. Yeah.
2: No, In I mean, 100
1: I mean, minutes of soccer, not one time did they touch the soccer ball inside the US penalty area. Well, you, it can't be any worse than that. But even though, I mean even though I,
2: I must have missed it because it didn't seem like Thailand did either, if they did, it was very few times. It was very few. And let me tell you something, how I feel about it, gold differential is huge in the in the yes, World Cup. Is. So I mean, you got to pour it on when you can get a chance. Um, if if you want to blame anybody, blame the officials. You know, if it gets to like ten points and they're not even moving it onto the other opponent's side of the pitch, if you will, then then that's kind of on the officials. You can't ask someone that's been preparing their entire life to go, nah, I don't want my, you know, I don't want to have it shown that I'm scoring a goal in the World Cup. No, those goals are very valuable, but what I will say is that the women's team are almost hurting themselves by dominating as much. I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're dominant, but I watched that um, Thailand game, and that's mostly the reason why I didn't watch the game in Ch- with Chile because I'm like, I mean, it's great to see the U.S. scoring goals and all, but I, I do like this. Where's the drama Come and all on, that?
1: man! See, I don't need drama when it's the United States playing somebody. If it's, if it's anything else going on, I'm like, all right, I've had enough. My wife asked me in the midst of that last night, so do you really want to watch them beat these guys 10 to nothing? And I said, yes, I absolutely do. I want this to be a celebration of the fact that the U.S. women are the best in the world by a wide margin of anybody else out there, period. And here's the, here's the thing. The women's soccer players that play for the United States make $72,000 a year to do that. How many people that are not women are sitting on Major League Baseball benches right now making eight figures that are not near that level of great? How many NBA players are making $10 and $15 million a year when they're very JJ Redick, who's an all right player. JJ Reddick made twenty three million dollars this year. They're still he's to about to come basketball.
2: up. His contract's um, I think is up. Well, he he's looking to make
1: even at his age, still around fourteen million dollars a year, which I would have never have guessed. Come
2: on, no,
0: Duke.
1: To give that perspective, Alex Morgan, who is probably the best player in the world right now, her net worth, even with all of her endorsements, three million dollars. The inequity is stupid, and I'll finish that thought after we get done with the interview here in a little bit. But uh, you're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina on WFJ 105.5 FM or the podcast, which you can hear just about anywhere.
0: The Cheap Seats is a production of Cheap Seat Media, LLC, broadcast locally on WFJA 105.5 FM.
4: Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Debt.
7: If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place.
8: Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control.
7: Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash debt or call 877-410-6322.
8: We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dad's... Let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
9: My name is Lola
8: Silvestri and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch.
5: One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference.
7: Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to Goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
1: You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. All right, welcome back. The, um, yeah, we, cheapseatradio.com. If you want to see, I guess, see, if you want to hear the podcast version of any show, head over there. They're all archived. Check it out. If you've missed something, if you want to go back and and uh, listen to two and a half years worth of nonsense, feel free. You, if that. you want to see how
2: drastically, believe it or not, we've improved oh over those God. years. I, if I you remember. want to
0: see how many teams and people we've cursed oh, over the years. And you
1: say we. That's I, I have to take ownership. Um, <laughs> a little bit too much of that's been me. But, you know, we, we, we had a moment this week. You know, we moved over here to WFJ. This is three weeks on the air over here. But as part of the move, we had to clean out our old studio where we used to tape the show. And, uh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. There was some tears. Dude, I, I didn't cry. I'm not a crier. But I did have a moment where I was, like, talking to the studio. And I was like, man, it's been a been a heck of a ride. Um, it was sad. It, it hit me out of the blue. I wasn't prepping for the yeah. sadness
2: or anything. I think I saw something of Robert Bricky's as I was leaving and snatched it up, and a tear started to well Aww. up. I, I mean, I didn't cry, man, because I'm a man, but it started to water up on me a little bit, I have to be honest.
1: Man, oh, man. Yeah, it was it was something else, man. But to think, I, I can remember, and Trent, you weren't even there for the first couple of weeks' worth, and I, I can remember coming in and rocking out the first few weeks' worth, and after the first week, walked out and got home my wife was like how'd it go i was like we are the best in the (laughs) world anywhere there's nobody doing this as well as us and then about three months later i went back and listened to the first couple weeks worth and i was like oh my gosh oh so the good news for people out there that are listening now we will continue to get better I suppose no. We're, we're I think we're operating at maximum capacity. What you what you hear right now is probably as good as it's ever going to get. We're old. We really can't learn new tricks. So there you go. On the line, Coach Justin Hare, head coach of the Campbell University baseball team, coming off two consecutive regionals appearances at the College World Series. Um,
9: coach, can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, we really really appreciate you coming on. Big things going on out there at Campbell. You've been there this is this was your fifth season, is that correct?
9: Fifth season as the head coach. I was here for 7 years as, as the assistant before that. So, I've been here a total of 12. So, I've been here for a lifetime, boys. Uh, well, can we count
1: on you never leaving?
9: <laughs> you can't can you you know always and never those are not words that, that should live in anyone's regular vocabulary but uh i'm not looking to leave anytime soon but uh you know hopefully they want to keep having me around
2: you keep winning these conference championships then the door is going to be knocking here pretty soon coach
9: right well you know hey i think the good lord's got a plan for all of us men and and uh it's well beyond our understanding and so um, you know, our, our biggest thing, no matter who's in our program or, or whatever, is I mean, we're just going to try to do the best we absolutely can with, with where we are, with who we are with, and um, we just feel like good things are going to happen to good people, and, and uh, as long as we keep doing our job, then, then hopefully good things will happen for us.
1: Well, here for the last couple of years, a lot of good things have been happening to the program, and, and to give people perspective out there, Campbell in its existence has only been to the College World Series four times. Two of those Correct. have occurred under your watch in the last two years. What what would you attribute it to? You know, where has this success come from?
9: Um, I think it's, you know, it's a culmination of a lot of people's hard work, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for us over the course of the last 12 years and then, and then um, you know, more specifically over – the last five years as, as I've been the head coach is, is just trying to first and foremost, get the right people in our program, the the right young men to, to come in from all over the country that, that fit what we're trying to do, that, that fit the style of play that we like to have, that fit the type of personalities and the work ethic and the, and the attention to detail that, that we try to, you know, instill in our guys and require of our guys every day. Um, but then beyond that, just being able to have the right, Assistant coaches in place, have the right strength coach in place, have the right academic folks in place. You know, there's so many people that that touch our guys' lives that that aren't named coach. You know, and so all those people have a lot to do with our success. You know, our athletic trainer being able to keep them healthy and keeping them on the field, our strength guy and nutrition folks that that are able to add strength and weight to these young guys and 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 keep us fresh throughout the year. Our academic. Um, coordinator that keeps them on track to graduate and keeps them eligible and keeps you know them on the field of play um, from a from a school standpoint and and um, you know so just just really working hard to surround our players not only find the right players to play in our our, our system and play here at Campbell but to surround them with the right um, staff and extended staff that that's here for, for our, our guys' benefit and, and to help them make sure that, that they have a great experience here and, and that they get better um, both on and off the field. I think that's been the biggest um, change from when we got here in 2012, or I'm sorry, 12 years ago in 2007, coming off a really bad year um, in Campbell baseball history and, and trying to build it to where we are now. and and uh, That's been a, a, a challenging thing but a, but a really rewarding thing when when you feel like you've got the right people in place.
1: Well, I hear you and and obviously you know you've you've built a, a winning culture there and what you're doing from an infrastructure standpoint must be working, but the bottom line is it's always going to be about the Jimmy's and Joes and not only did Campbell make it to the second straight regional you guys had four players taken in the major league draft this year. Uh, which was a new milestone, a high-water mark for Campbell, and also had the very first first-round pick taken out of Campbell University ever. Um, these guys, Seth Johnson, who went in the first round to Tampa Bay, um, we it didn't even dawn on me till a minute ago. It may be a couple years from now I might be able to roll just up the road to Durham and watch him play ball. Um, Matthew Barefoot, Tyson Messer, Michael Harrell, talk about those guys and what they've meant to the program.
9: Yeah, you know, um, Matthew Barefoot and Tyson Messer and Michael Horrell, three guys that that are are four-year guys. Um, Matt was a redshirt junior. He broke his ankle his freshman year and redshirted. Tyson and and, and Michael were seniors. All three of them are going to graduate. They've got, um, you know, anywhere from three to six hours to finish to to get their degrees. So they're all going to graduate by December, um, which is awesome. awesome. Um, They came in. Um and, you know, I, I their their second year here, we finished eighth, <laughs> you know, in the league and uh, you know, we were still trying to figure some things out, um, still trying to get the right people and process in place. And those guys um just worked their their tails off, you know. Michael Horrell's a guy that, you know, out of high school was an eighty four, eighty six mile an hour right hander and probably never had a realistic thought of playing pro ball, you know, and he ended up being a a guy that was in our weekend rotation for three years and, and continue to get better and, um, you know, and, and develop over the course of time, develop as a student, developed as a leader um, and developed as a, you know, as a, as a starting pitcher, you know? And so, um, you know, Matthew barefoot, we, we recruited him as a left-handed pitcher that was going to have a chance to, you know, we were going to give him the opportunity to hit. And he ended up being one of the best hitters in the history of our program because, his attention to detail, work ethic, and, and love and care for, for the people in this program helped him get better every day. You know, Tyson Messer, same thing, guy that highly recruited out of high school um, by NC State, was committed to NC State. They ended up not signing him. He came to a camp like a week before signing day his senior year in the fall um, and and threw on our field. We recruited him heavily, didn't get him. Um, Recruited him, you know, then he came to camp after NC State pulled their offer and, and, um, and, and and through and, and I had him in my office later that night and, and he committed that day and signed the next week and, and, um, you know, ended up being a ninth round draft pick four years later with his college degree, you know, lost, you know, lost his dad, um, his, after his sophomore year going into his junior year, his dad passed away. So he's had some challenges, um, you know, but a local guy that, that, um, you know, again, just, just grew up, you know, in front of our eyes and and, and worked his tail off. And, um, you know, he got called last year after his junior year a couple of times by some some scouts and said, well, you take this, will you take that? And he just knew he needed another year, he needed a year to finish his degree, needed a year to, to keep getting better and, and um, you know, be in a better place and in a better position to go into pro ball. Um, and so he came back as a senior and then, you um, you know, and then Seth Johnson was the guy that that uh, you know, from the time he was 12 until the time he was a sophomore in junior college, he was a he was an infielder. He wasn't a pitcher, you know. And and uh, his sophomore year at Lewisburg, he got on the mound, you know, kind of as a joke with one of the other assistants. touched 90, and they were like, "Oh, well, we might want to try to pitch this guy a little bit." And um, you know, so that guy threw he threw six innings. He, from, from Little League until he stepped foot on campus last summer, he had thrown a grand total of six innings. So we had no idea what we were getting other than it was an athletic guy that, that was going to be 90 or 91, and, and we felt like he had a chance to be a good bullpen guy for us. Um, you know, And that guy came to summer school, got on the throwing program, got in the weight room with our strength guy, um and just absolutely worked his, his tail off and and I mean he was up to ninety eight this spring and um threw sixty almost seventy innings for us and you know the 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 highest draft pick in school history and um and now he's a millionaire so I mean it, it's it's um, just over because it's, just over
1: playing around getting on the mound yeah just yeah I, just on, I, I can't
9: up- I, <laughs> Yeah, if we're up on this team by eight, I'm going to throw an inning. Okay, great. Like, oh, we got up eight. Like, let's go throw an inning. Like, you know, I mean, it, it's... When Chris was you in can't high school... not write that story. When Chris
2: was in high school, every time he got up on the mound, it was a joke. Right? Oh, there, there you go.
1: <laughs> there you go. I can't... I, that, that story, that's mind-boggling. That is a cool story. And, and you see these guys that go back and forth and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and I want to uh, get away from Campbell for just a second. When I was When I was checking you out, you're from Hamilton, Ohio. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. For folks that don't know, that's about 20 minutes from Cincinnati. That's right. So, I'm I'm assuming that you're a Reds fan. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, no. Don't start I'll with that. Not... Don't, don't don't start with I, I... that.
9: Yes, I am. Yep, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I am. I am. I've I've suffered through since '95. And since 90, yeah, I'm a Reds fan. So sure I, am.
1: I will tell you that in 1990, I, was a, I am a lifelong Reds fan. And yeah. I, was, I was born on the backside of the Big Red Machine. In fact, I used to listen to vinyl albums of the calls of the World Series games. Yeah. It, with my uncle. So I grew up with that. And then in 1990... The first time the Reds had been viable as anything in 15 years, I joined the Army, and I left that summer in August when I was leaving to basic training. I asked my recruiter if I could push back my training date because the Reds were going to win the World Series that year, and he was like, ah, don't worry about it. When you get to basic training, they'll have TVs for you guys to watch the World Series. So the Reds win in 90, and I didn't see one pitch of the World Series <laughs> after having suffered for twenty years, and now it's uh, it's been nothing since then. So uh, yeah, I can nothing. feel your pain.
9: Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 um it's been uh, it's been a bit of a drought, man. You know, and and uh, Cincinnati, you know, pro sports in Cincinnati hasn't been uh, you know hadn't been great, you know, but you know, awesome. What a great place to grow up and, and, and be able to go down to Old Riverfront Stadium and, and see Barry Larkin come up, see Eric Davis, see Cal Daniels, you know, all those guys, man, Paul O'Neill and Joe Oliver and the You're, nasty boys. and, and You and are the first person
1: guys, on man. this show in, in three years of doing this to ever make a Cal Daniels reference.
0: <laughs> you just make Chris so happy, Trent Nichols. Yeah, I think he's putting a poster of you on his wall now. This is yeah. There you're my, you go. Dude. This, this is, is
9: nuts. Hey, I'm standing in my office. I got a Dave Parker bobblehead doll sit, sitting right here on my on my oh. ledge here, looking out to the field, man. So, Coach, you're um, my new best friend. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hey, man, you just let me know. My dad's on the. You know, my dad's uh, real active in the Reds Hall of Fame up there, man. You ever get back up there, you just let me know. And. and uh We'll get you hooked up. Yes, sir. We're going to
1: have oh, to call EMS. Yeah, I will uh, I will <laughs> take you up on that. So, I want you to I want you to relate a little bit of a story because I didn't know this until about a week ago. Gaylord Perry is in the Campbell Sports Hall of Fame. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. He attended Campbell University. That's Did you correct. guys know that? The crazy thing is, he didn't play baseball at Campbell. Correct. How is that possible?
9: Um, obviously, the rules, um, the professional amateur rules were way different in the, you know, 50s or 60s or, or whatever. Um, he signed a professional contract out of high school um, to pitch. And so in the offseason, he... You know, he would come back here. Jim had already come. Jim Perry, his his brother, who our stadium's named after. Yep, and Jim won the Cy Jim Young. Jim was already here. Yep, Jim won the Cy Young. They, they both won the Cy, you know, they both won. Um, Gaylord's won one in both, both leagues. Jim won uh, 1970 Cy Young. Um, and uh, so Jim was playing um, basketball here, and so Gaylord came here for school, and to play basketball um you know and condition himself in the offseason season when when he wasn't playing professional baseball you know and 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 then uh Campbell was just a two-year school it was a, it was a junior college Campbell college and um yeah so that that's 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 what those guys did and um you know Jim Jim went here and, and graduated from here met his wife here and the whole deal and um they've been tremendous you know, benefactors of our program and, um, and and Gaylord same did, did kind of did the same thing and, um, you know, came here and, and played some basketball and, um, you know, went to school and, you know, tried to earn a little bit of money after that. And, you know, they weren't getting paid what those guys get paid now. And so, yeah, pretty interesting story. Yeah. So, um, the, the, the fighting camel is actually named Gaylord, the, the mascot. So, um, pretty interesting stuff. I
2: don't, I don't think I've learned as much in one morning as I have this morning. Yeah. I, so, wait a minute. This you, guys should interesting... just ha-
9: like, you guys should just have me on like once a month, once yeah. every two weeks. I can fill you with all kinds of useless knowledge and, you know, it, it can be fun. We can get a little three-way thing going and be awesome.
0: You, you fit right in. We fill everyone with useless knowledge. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's kind of what we do. I have, one, I have yeah. one question. So, you were a catcher when you played, correct? Yep, that's right. So, what do you think? I mean, there's sort of this what makes that position so successful transitioning into the managerial role? I,
9: I think the I think there's a couple of things. One, typically catchers are the worst athletes um, growing up, and so um, the chance of them playing a long time or it's not very good they need a lot of extra instruction so they so maybe that filters into some of their coaching uh, ability um you know they're not the flashy shortstop or the burner center fielder or the 94 mile an hour arm they're not that guy they're the they're the shorter pudgier kid that needs a, a little bit of extra instruction but wants to play real hard um come you on, know you so
2: know, know think it's the, that helps you know it's the smartest kid out there yeah playing catcher come on <laughs>
0: Don't be modest. Who, that's right. that's who like would know that's the like, pitcher's tendencies better than the catcher to be able to develop yeah, that's these like kids? Yeah,
9: that's like saying, well, is she good looking? And, and the first thing is, like, well, man, they, she's got a really good personality. You <laughs> know, it's kind of like that. Like, you know, hey, is he, a good, is he a good athlete? Well, he's really, really smart. You know, he's a really smart <laughs> player. It's like it's kind of like that. So, uh, But, yeah, I think that, you know, the the, the combination of having to – to be able to handle the, the pitching side and, and be able to handle those different personalities on the mound while also kind of being the, the quarterback or, or the guy that has to kind of run the defensive side um, because you're the guy that handles the ball. No matter what, you're the only guy that handles the ball every pitch of every game. Um, the shortstop doesn't, unless the pitcher is throws a complete game, he doesn't, you know, um so you're the only guy that that everybody's eyes are looking in at you every pitch of every single game and so there's a lot of responsibility there to know hey that guy's out of position he needs to be here this guy needs to settle down because you know xyz how can I get him back in the zone and so on and so forth and then you got to know the hitting side too because you know for at least for me and and in the history you know until probably this generation of catchers we called our own games we were we were taught how to call our own games, how what pitches to call and why and where's this guy standing and what his tendency looks like. Um, and so you had to know the hitting side from that from that standpoint too. And so those are a lot of things that, that go into what, what we have to do as head coaches or managers have to do, kind of be able to handle the whole thing where maybe a center fielder never has had to think about, well, how should you try to get this guy out or – how do you need to, you know, try to deal with this, this different personality on the mound and, you know, some of that stuff. And so I think that there's just some unique things about being a catcher that lends you to, to having your hand in a lot of different aspects of the game that when that, that average athlete ends up being told that, hey, you don't actually get to keep playing, you have to figure out something to do after this, um, you know, I think that that transitions into the coaching side a lot easier than than
1: maybe some other positions gotcha coach this has been awesome and and if you're down to come back on with some regularity we'd love to have you this has been this has been great i had no idea the camel's name is gaylord it's crazy yeah I, yeah i'm going to quiz every campbell alum i know just to see if they know what the Camel's name is and if not i uh, want to know why be they never tell me that
9: well, first of all, you need to make sure that you're going to get some some reward if they don't know it. You need to you, you need to hedge your bet a little bit. And make sure, you know, let's put something on the line, you know. Let's let you know, let's make it beneficial for you.
2: Chris needs to think a little bit more like
1: a catcher. Yeah. yeah see, that's that's the analytical type more mind. Analytical. Mind yep. That makes you <laughs> such a great uh, coach.
9: All right, yeah, you can, it's it's not it's not good enough just to have good trivia. You gotta you gotta get something for having the good trivia, you know.
1: Amen. I, I like you even more, Coach Justin Hare of the Campbell Camels baseball team. And uh, this has been amazing. I hope we can get you back in here shortly.
9: Anytime, man. You guys just let me know. Would love to come on. I love talking sports. Love just you know being around good people. So uh, love talking about Campbell and and. Uh, and what we've got going on here so anytime you guys want me to come on man just let me know would would be happy to do it
1: very good we'll take you up on that go camels and go reds the creek is rising
9: that's right that's <laughs> the creek is that's right roll humps roll humps The <laughs> roll humps is the new one so y'all have a great day man and and again thanks for having me on let me know uh if i can ever do anything for you guys
1: all right appreciate you coach thanks thanks man thanks. bye dude that was dope
9: <laughs> wow
1: <laughs> spitting straight fire and mm. you know it's, Trent, it's so much easier to your inter- job's in jeopardy you realize that because <laughs> justin Harris sitting right there dude you know they always say the great like the interviewee
2: can make the interviewer that just happened
1: i just sat there the whole time thinking this is the coolest thing we've done in a minute i haven't said a word in like five minutes yeah I was, Yeah, it was, that, that was, was awesome. good stuff. That dude was straight fire. Coach Justin Hare of the Campbell Camels, two straight College World Series appearances, four players taken in the Major League Draft this year. This dude's sitting on top of the world. Hopefully, he can stick around Campbell for a couple more years. Looks like they're going to maybe have to put his name on one of those buildings here pretty soon if he keeps winning that like way. this. They just keep building them, so they got plenty of they opportunities. Do. They do. All right. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening from the cheap seats here on in Central Carolina on WFJ one hundred five point five FM, and around the world on the worldwide interwebs.
0: You're listening to from the cheap seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio, or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com.
6: 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk.
9: 150 over 90, and I had a stroke.
3: This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org.
7: I had to toe. Everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association,
5: and the Ad Council. So why do teenagers
8: play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose.
0: My reason why is to inspire others.
8: One reason student-athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy.
7: This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic
4: Association.
5: Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross.
4: Ron Garrett is on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack.
5: Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life.
4: When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life.
8: Starting with your own.
4: Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area.
7: Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up the whole ride every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie.
3: Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at
1: safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad
3: Council.
9: Check her out. Oh, man. I like that.
3: When young men turn 18, they think they know a lot about the facts of life. But there are a few more facts they need to know. Fact, you have to register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. Fact. Registration keeps you eligible for government jobs and student loans. Fact. It's easy to register. Just visit sss.gov or any post office. Register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law, and that's a fact.
6: We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology.
4: We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds.
8: This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there.
1: We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans.
0: WFJA 105.5, Sanford, Pinehurst, Southern Pines.
1: Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, sports talk radio that won't make your ears bleed. So I feel like we should have uh we should have saved that Justin Hare interview for the final segment so we could have just like turned out the lights and walked out. That was uh that was amazing. You saying us all downhill. Uh, yeah, it's, it's over downhill from here. I don't know what's gonna go on now, but uh yeah, Seth Johnson, yeah, first round draft pick of the Tampa Bay Rays. Hard for me not to say devil rays. You know what I mean? It is hard. Um the Tampa Bay Rays, um who knew? He was a shortstop that uh had never pitched basically in his life. That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. But Justin Hair doing a great job out there with the Campbell Camels. We really appreciate him being on, and we will get him back post-haste. Um, that was pretty cool. So before the break, I think I was talking about the U.S. Women's National Team and the dominance they showed against Chile. It only, it only resulted in a 3-0 result. But to see the leaderboard up there, and they've got a – plus 16 goal differential going into their third game is is it's comical
0: the defensive dominance you were talking about they outshot them 26 to 1 that they didn't even have one shot on goal to the eight that the u.s had i don't have it in front of me
1: and it may have actually grown but i know it at toward the end of the game corners and for those of you who have played soccer if you want to if you want a gauge of how a game is ebbing and flowing the U.S. had 13 corners. Chile had none. It ended at 15 to nothing. How do you go an entire game and not even get a corner kick? <laughs>
0: 15 to nothing.
1: Now, there are folks oh, no, out there. one. I'm sorry. Did they have one? Yeah. I don't even know when they to got one. It.
0: 15 to one. Sorry.
1: That's unbelievable. Um, it, yeah, to watch these women play, as it, the thing that I will say, I told you my wife asked me, do you really, you know, watching them be that dominant, is it fun? Well, yeah, because until the rest of the world takes it easy on the U.S. men, this is just kind of us getting back at them. And everything that's going right in U.S. soccer right now on the international level is associated with the women's program. The mm-hmm. men can't get out of their own way. They can't decide what direction they're going to go with, the, with the, the national team. And throughout this, the men that are playing on the national side stand to make 200000 a year the women are capped out at 99,000 they're only guaranteed 72,000 how is it that nike and the rest of these corporate types have not figured out the value that these women have from a marketing standpoint i mean they're 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 beautiful upstanding amazingly talented human beings and they can't pull in the type of sponsor dollars? You can't tell me. I mean, you look down these NBA benches, and pretty much every NBA player has a shoe deal. You can't tell me that Kristen Press can't sell more shoes than the eighth guy on the Sacramento Kings bench. It's just not possible. I don't understand the economics. Well, I do understand the economics. I just don't understand how we're so slow to pick up. It's an arms race in the NBA. Well, I think the thing that's most egregious
2: is that, and you t- correct me if I'm wrong, but NBA and WNBA players, there are difference, differences in that product that you're watching. On. Absolutely. There is very little, if any, difference in the product that you're watching with women's soccer versus men's soccer. In fact, sometimes I feel like, especially in the Abby Wambach days, I would get more hyped up to watch women's <laughs> soccer than I would ever ever and i grew up i grew up playing soccer in fact i almost played soccer with the campbell at campbell what? university but um but you can't tell a difference it's just as exciting as the men's game you know if you really if you had to press me are the men a little faster sure but in terms of the game the flow of the game the the skill the talent and and, and the smart way that they play the game there's essentially no difference so why are they
1: getting paid so much less
2: i mean i
0: I would watch the u.s women's team over any mls game anytime any week any day
1: well i've told you that over the course of the last couple weeks i or last week and a half anyway i watched both of the u.s women's national team games i haven't watched an entire regular season mls game in years yeah Absolutely. The the marketing right. and the and the structure of the media deals that they have with MLS is a joke and it's part of the problem. And the US men's team, good lord. I mean, all we have to do is go back to the final round of qualifying a couple years ago for the World Cup. That team was that game wasn't even on TV. Hmm. How does that happen? The you know, the most important game that the US had played in years and it's not even televised on normal television. You know, it took me until halfway through the second half to find a pirate stream of the game so that I could watch it. I just don't get what's going on with U.S. soccer. Now, the talent pool, when you ask the question, how can the women be so good and the men be so bad? The short answer to that is the very best athletes in our nation are not playing soccer when it comes to the men. When you look at the ladies' side... If I'm a uh, you know if I'm the parent of a of a nine or ten or eleven year old girl who is extremely athletic, there are limited avenues for that child to well, I mean, parlay that into college tuition and ultimately perhaps playing at an international level. Well, just think about it. I mean, I have two daughters myself.
2: What are they playing? It's either t- uh, tennis or soccer or maybe golf. You know, I mean, those are the avenues that women women are gravitate towards i'm not saying they don't have other options that they would be extremely good at at as well but you know you look at it look at how just here in sanford the um girls soccer programs have just blown up with uh you know young girls wanting to play soccer or tennis tennis was another example where i can watch i can watch you know, Serena play all day long just as much as I'd like watch Djokovic, but they actually get paid. I don't know what the, you know, I don't know what the difference. Oh, there's still a huge disparity. But uh, so that's a good example there. You know, th- those are two sports where it makes absolutely no sense for them not to be getting paid equally.
1: No, and I agree with you guys that the product that you're watching, there are some women's sports that I have no interest in watching. Women's golf being one of them because I just. I just can't get excited about it. The WNBA, it's a different game than the NBA. I prefer the men's version of basketball. But when you start talking about women's soccer, dude, is it a step slower? Sure. You know, are the players a a, a tiny bit smaller? Sure. But it's still the same skill sets, the same drama. Um, It's still a fast, wide-open game. I, I really truly enjoy watching. It, it. seems and
0: like they flop a lot less watching these. Oh last yeah, couple they're a lot tougher than the. Um, yeah, the they, men's.
1: they I mean that's when you think about it. When you think of of girls that you were around through your high school and college years that played soccer at a high level, they've got a tenacity. You know, there's no prima donnas. There's there's you know there's not anybody that's going to go out there. They're trying to fight through everything, and that's what I enjoy about the women's team more than any other team that's out there at any level, whether it's a club team, an international team, is the tenacity they show. And you can watch any time their opponent is trying to break out of the midfield where they just swarm to the ball. And they do it in a manner that's effective. It's just amazing, the energy level. And part of that with the women's team is that right now, they're not superstar centric. This is not the uh, Abby Wambach U.S. national team, which is a great team, but basically was all predicated on let's get the ball to the wings and cross it into the middle because Abby Wambach's the best, you know, ladies' in player in the air that yeah. we've ever seen. But it really kind of it, it took away because I think the era before that with with Mia Hamm and and the rest of them, uh, Brandi Chastain. That was a more exciting era because it was more of total soccer, and that's what they're back to now. And, yes, you do have a legitimate superstar. Alex Morgan is the best player in the world, for my money, but she is just one of the players in that system and is still allowed to flirt. Well, she should be a, a bigger superstar than she is right now. Maybe this is her
2: coming out party with the five goals versus Thailand. For, also, my daughter got a chance to meet. Alex Morton in Raleigh. And she couldn't be a nicer person. Like spending as much time with your kid as po- po- she possibly could. You know what the most boring job in the world is right now? What's that? Being the U.S. women's goalkeeper. Oh, my gosh. She hasn't even made a save yet. I mean, and remember, that games. was a story because that coming into this, she, this is her first uh, World Cup. And, and she's on the biggest stage she's ever been on. And, you know, the worry was, well, you know, with Hope Solo being out of the picture, what are they going to do? Well, Apparently they don't have to do a whole lot because it's not even getting on their side of the field. Um, I think as the cup goes on and they win out of this group, then we'll start to see a little bit better competition.
1: And hopefully, I mean, I don't want us to. Well, I, you're you're going to get better competition here in the next couple of days. Sweden, Sweden is not is their arch Chile. Anime. It's not Thailand. Chile, you know, Sweden is gonna is is gonna push them uh, maybe as much as they're going to be pushed in this World Cup. So this is telling as to whether you know, the U.S. is going to cruise through this thing or whether they're going to have a couple of dogfights on their hands.
0: And back on this celebration thing, this Ah, is ridiculous. Come
1: on, come on, come on.
0: No, it's the same people that are sitting at home rooting for the NFL to have all these stupid, crazy celebrations, and then the girls go and celebrate not even close to what the stupid NFL does, and now it's a problem? Well,
2: I like what Alex Morgan had to say is that if they had taken their foot off the gas against Thailand, Thailand would have literally been insulted like and and to not be happy about beating thailand she actually said this yeah. uh, it might have been to chastain i can't remember who interviewed her but she said you know that would be a slap in the face if we didn't you know hey, look
1: that's that's settle. the that's the line you know football coaches have been using it for years you know we all would be disrespectful look here's the deal i don't think that the beat down they put on thailand was much worse than what they did to chile mm-hmm. the difference was keeper play the the performance of the tie goalie in that game could not have been worse. She did not want to be there. I, no, no. And by the end of the game, she want, she was just looking at the clock. Let's get out of here. <laughs> she had a horrible day. Bless her heart. You know all the rest of that. But here's my thing, and this is where I before we got off on the whole. You know, I appreciate women's soccer as much as I do men. Here is the thing: is you're you're asking these ladies who get to be front and center on the U.S. sports landscape once every 4 years you're asking them not to put their best forward the entire time what would it do for women's soccer if they got up and came out they were up 3-0 at halftime if they came out and passed the ball around the back because thailand had packed it in yeah if they just kicked the ball around midfield for 45 minutes how many people would have turned that off yeah i mean yeah, i wouldn't I mean, have sat through it if i if i figured out that all they were going to do was kill the clock i would have turned it off Instead, I'm watching, you know, every minute of it. Hey, can they? How many more can they get? Can we get to 15? You know, how's this going to go? It, look, don't fault them. They don't get to be front and center very often. They are not multi-million dollar athletes like you know your NBA players, your NFL players. it's not the same thing. This is their moment, and there are some of these folks that are back for repeat performance. You know, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, yeah. you know. There are a handful of them. Some of these girls, this is the only – I say girls. I don't mean that disrespectfully. These ladies, some of them, this is the pinnacle of their professional sports life. Don't try to take it away from them. And and, And to be honest, to be frank and to pull out some old Steve Spurrier, Barry Switzer, if you don't like us scoring, stop it. Yep.
2: Yeah, and if you want to watch a team with no emotion, watch German Germany play. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they'll put you to sleep real fast. But, I mean, you know, the the United States, you, Chris put it perfectly, outside of Rupino, some of these girls only have one shot at this, and so just let them be and have let them have fun and let them celebrate. You know?
1: Well, I'll be watching every step of the way, um, and and I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. I've been a huge fan of the U.S. women's team, you know, forever. Um It's a lot of fun. Celebrate U.S. soccer because on the men's side, it's a disaster. It's an absolute train wreck, and the Gold Cup is about to crank up. The U.S. and Mexico have won all of the Gold Cup tournaments with one exception, when Canada snuck in there one year. I don't know if the U.S. comes out and played a perfect game against Mexico, how they couldn't get beat by at least two goals. Nope. The, the, this U.S. team that we're trotting out there right now, the system, the players, everything is busted. It's really kind of depressing. I don't know what we're going to do because Mexico is, is you know, there's always a lot of drama associated with the Mexican side. Um, I'm not sure that the U.S. can get to a final against Mexico, and I'd have to look at what the brackets look like, but it's depressing. And, oh, by the way... This huge international tournament's about to go down. Nobody even knows it's going to be on TV. Kaplan
0: is here, dude. I'm out. I See can't you on leave. the
1: other side of the break. Trent, Bye.
0: peace. Stay tuned to From the Cheap Seats. We'll be right back. I don't know what we'll talk about, but it'll be cool. We are there, day one, with baby
2: names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there. As you
1: grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at
4: socialsecurity.gov. Produced
8: at U.S. taxpayer expense. AdoptUSKids presents Multiple Choice Parenting.
4: You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual?
5: Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. but they can be dangerous too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life saving steps, visit poolsafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission.
3: A message from the American Migraine
0: Foundation.
6: It's an absolute nightmare.
0: There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by
3: migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease.
6: I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body.
3: Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected.
4: Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life, young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org.
1: From the cheap seats, national sports with a Carolina twist. All right, welcome back from the cheap seats. Ah, This is like old times, man. And
2: just when we thought, we said the show would go uh, after Coach Hare, that the show would go straight down the twos, but in walks in Mr. Diamond Dave Kaplan.
1: I'm here to help the show go down the two you know we were going to talk about the u.s open by ourselves and you know that could not possibly have gone well it would ended up being uh tiger finished where did tiger, finish? tiger 20, finished tiger finished tied for 21st yeah that would have been our conversation i
10: tell you what talking about tiger in holes one through seven was kind of the gettable holes at pebble beach He was three over par, Mm -hmm. and Gary Woodland, who obviously won, was 10 under on those same seven holes through the tournament. So that's 13 shots different. Tiger would have been 15 under if he played those holes as well Mm. as Gary
1: Woodland did. And so that was the difference for him. You just come in spitting fire. Because my conversation about Tiger Woods would have been something akin to Look good in the you know red shirt on yeah, Sunday.
10: He, he had a good back nine, shot a thirty-two, and bring a little momentum into
1: the rest of the year for him. He's he's just a little off. Well, let me let me ask you first of all about Gary Woodland because I got yeah. tired of hearing on Sunday, oh this is a really popular guy on the tour. These guys, really nice guy. These guys, dude, that doesn't translate to anything with the general public. Right. We don't care. Gary Woodland, my criticism of him. As a champion at the U.S. Open, is that he is entirely too nondescript for the watch right. for the for the consuming public, the ones that pay the bills. We're the ones that make this happen. Gary Woodland does not move the needle, and I can't I think, see him moving the needle going
10: forward. You're probably right, but I think the pairing with Justin Rose was a great pairing for him for a couple different reasons. Justin Rose, I'm sure is a great guy, but he seems stuffy. He like looks like a stuffy goblin. Brit. Does he not you know? look like a goblin? Yeah, he's like, hey, you, you Americans don't know how to play golf. <laughs> I'm from England, you know. Though this is where the sport was created, and he just has kind of that feeling. And so here's Gary Woodland with his stars and stripe pumas, and Sweet. basically decked out in U.S. gear. And I mean, it's hard not to root for him when he's playing against Justin. And he, of course, kept killing his heels. Well, Speaking how many
1: times? How many times at a non. Cup match have we heard chance of USA. They were in Justin Sunday. Rose's yeah. ear from, oh, from yeah. jump. And I don't know if that was I, I was trying to figure out is that more in favor of Woodland or just are they just taking barbs at Justin Rose? Probably
10: a
2: little bit Yeah, fair yeah. enough. So I think so.
1: Chris has got a Puma collection. Yes. Yeah. Do you think we could talk you in getting some air woodlands? Dude, yeah. if they were pretty cool. If I can find those shoes at a reasonable sum, I will own those shoes. Don't, I, that We
10: would win every Super Bowl tournament out there if you had Stars and Stripe Pumas on
1: while we were playing uh, Dude, I will make that happen. No and doubt. I will tell you, we will win every Super Bowl as long as Robert Bricky's not playing. <laughs> we played one Saturday. Yeah. Oh... Yeah. it didn't go well. we needed
2: you Dave yeah your, we, your we, name is we could have used a you. couple of times while we were out there like yeah, it was, yeah. So we were yeah, it was hoping that you would just walk out of the woods
1: and save us brutal but at the end of the day I think we shot a 64 but yeah, yeah I mean, playing Super Bowl it was respectable but yeah there were some there yeah. was some brutality going on out there on the uh, links you know some negative 15s out there
2: too so we
10: yeah. had virtually you a little, know a no chance. From
1: it. you know how that goes yeah
10: so it, Woodland it breaks Tiger's work. record, a uh, scoring record. However, understand that There's when no Tiger win. shot uh, 12 under, uh, he won by 15 strokes. Yeah. So I mean, that's basically like Tiger 2000 on that course, maybe 20 under, something like that. So
1: what, what do you what do you attribute the scoring at Pebble to? Because I, I heard the the narrative shift over the course of the four days of the tournament. You know, Pebble is notorious because the wind, the hard greens, for being right. a difficult course to play, right. and these guys just kind of ate it up.
10: Yeah, I, it wasn't there wasn't much wind. There was a little bit of wind, but I, that was really a non-factor. Um, when Tiger shot 12-under, particularly that Saturday on 2000, it was blustery. I mean, he, he shot even par, and it was nobody was touching near par. And uh, you could see the rest of that particular tournament, everybody was over par i mean three over was in second place and he was 12 under and, and those good those ernie else was behind them podrick harrington those big names back there um but the course this week just played kind of benign it never really got sunny and really baked out it was not too windy at any given point it was quite gettable i thought um particularly thursday and friday and and it, yeah, the back nine of any major, you started seeing them miss a lot of shots, a lot of yeah. iron shots in particular. Yeah. Uh, but um, man, I think that's just pressure of a
1: major. Well, there were some yips even from Woodland, but to his credit, every time he got himself into real trouble, oh. he made a shot. And that three wood that he played Brash on fourteen, and bold
10: American style, man. I'm brother, telling that,
1: you that that three wood that on fourteen could have been disastrous. Right. And to have the stones to go to take that shot and then the good fortune for that to land in about a you know six foot area where it didn't run way off the back and right. didn't land in the bunker and you know bury itself was amazing yeah that was um, a great shot. so that you know bold. that that's the kind of things that and add then up, hitting a wedge off the green yeah, oh that was something else yeah now I, I need to ask you though would you have hit would you have chipped off on the, on the green or would you have tried to run it over the
10: i was sitting the there thinking i didn't know the whole backstory but i was thinking as i was watching it I was like, this guy needs to put it up to about eight feet left of the hole, try to take his chances there to make par, bogey at worst, and then he, he's got 18 that if he needs to birdie, he still could, but probably par will get it done then. He didn't really know what was going on with Kepka in front of him. But uh, but what I didn't know is he had the same shot on Thursday and pulled it off. Oh, really? And he if you know anything about Gary Woodland, the long game's always been good. It's always been the short game issue. He's working with a guy Rick Smith, and, and he's really got his short game together. And one way he did it is he would take him out and make him chip off of greens, really. And that was so he could get the contact. So he would he would ha- he would get better contact. So obviously he was a lot more comfortable with that shot than I would have been, or most players would have been. As, so as a whole.
1: after the show, I'm thinking the next step in my short game development. I think I'm going to run down to the Muni with a handful of balls, yeah. and I'm going to chip on their on their practice screen. That's going to go well for you. <laughs> yeah, how you think that'll work? You'll out? be banned for life, I think. After. <laughs> All I could think was this dude's about to take this huge divot, and yeah. he just he picked he it right it. off of it. Yeah, there. he nicked it. it and I like the analysis shot. leading up to it. They said if he, you know, if he takes a divot, he's going to be short. <clears throat> Otherwise, he's going to pick it and drop it right down there, and I don't think anybody saw him dropping it to you know. Foot, he almost made it. I know it was yeah. kind of amazing. Was well, know, I was
10: thinking, no, no,
2: no, put it. And He was thinking, I'm going to make this thing. So after know? our horrendous outing this past weekend, I get a text, and I think Chris thought it would make me feel a little bit better, but Rory McIlroy <laughs> hits this three. What, you can explain it better because you actually saw it, Chris.
1: Like, what, what did he do there? Well, he got caught early on before the leaders had even gone off. He ended up in trouble. Down by a oh, bunker, yeah. and he pulled the iron out of there, and he tried to shoot it out of there. And I love watching a pro of that skill level, that magnitude, hit a ball three feet. It was yep. awesome. He hit it. It went directly to the left about three feet, rolled down into the bunker, and then he had to take his medicine, get out there.
10: They had on Thursday on hole number sevens, that short little par three down the hill, about a 100, beautiful hole, and people kept hitting it over the green. And there was literally three or four whiffs. You know they had no. to hit this huge flop shot, and it was in this thick grass, and they were just sliding right under the ball. Oh, uh, and now and then there was also three or four makes, so it's the craziest thing in the world. Wow, uh, to to watch that that hole on
1: on Thursday. So if you're if you're standing over a chip on a green, you're you're standing on. I think they, they refer to Pebble Beach as the spiritual home of American golf, which okay. is an interesting. Yeah. Combination of it was, words. It's a quite a property. I know but that much. It's hallowed ground. Oh yeah, yeah. No so doubt. if you're standing over that putt, how long does it take them to repair? If you hit that chip fat, yeah, and you chunk it, and you chunk it. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of pose
10: uh, in their greens, and uh,
1: probably a month before that thing gets. Can you imagine in? just yeah. that pressure? But then take that magnify, amplify. I don't, I don't it by think the he was that concerned that. with. That. You really don't. You <laughs> no, think he was looking no, around past it? Yeah, I don't think he was concerned with taking any. I think he was concerned with winning the golf tournament. All right. So Gary Woodland, you said his long game's been good. His hey, short game and showed and here's up. Here's
10: why people love him. Have what? you seen the YouTube video? This girl named Amy, um, Down Syndrome girl, comes out. You know TPC Scottsdale, uh, Phoenix Open, Waste Management Open. When they go yes. crazy on hole number seventeen. Yes. So this was in a practice round. He's playing with Cooch. It's, it's uh, Gary Woodland and Matt Coocher. Gary Woodland's her favorite golfer. They surprise her, throw her up on the tee box on 17. She's got her clubs. Her parents are there. She hits a ball up, hits it pretty solid, hits it in the greenside bunker. She gets down into the bunker, and Gary Woodland's like, Hey, you, you want to just – we'll take it out, and you can just putt here from the fringe or have maybe Cooch hit it out for you or whatever. She, you know what she says? This is a moment where he learns more from her. Than, she, than her experience was. So it was a bigger moment. She says, I got this. That's what she kept saying. I got this. I got this. I got this. She's talking. She's pumping herself up. She hits it out of the bunker to about 12 feet. It was a pretty good shot. I mean, it was solid. And everybody's, the crowd's going nuts. I I mean, you, get, I mean, you know, they're all drunk. And then, <laughs> but, and then, and they're just going nuts. And so she gets up there. She's got like this 12 footer for par. And the whole time you can hear her saying, I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. She drains it. Oh, and they I go ballistic, way. hugs everybody. I mean, it was uh, it was just amazing. So that, that's why people love Gary Woodland. Okay, he, I'm, I'm failing
1: team. to see what he did in that other than, you know, it sounds like she lit it up. Well, he made her dream come true. All right, well we'll, we'll, well, we'll talk a little bit more about it on the other side. Diamond Dave Kaplan's joined us in studio. Thanks for hanging out from the Chiefs. He's got half an hour left to go. Stay tuned. From the cheap seats, we'll be right back.
5: In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly?
7: After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well,
5: you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. <sighs>
4: Debt.
7: If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place.
8: Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control.
7: Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash debt or call 877-410-6322. Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place.
8: Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control.
7: Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call
1: 877-410-6322. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, a bunch of guys who have never been fired from ESPN. All right, welcome back from the Chiefs. Seas. Crystal Brandon Atkins, Diamond Dave Kaplan. Talking about the U.S. Open, and you were relating the story about the young lady mm-hmm. that, that... Amy. Amy. Yeah. That uh, had the experience with Gary Woodland at the Waste Management. Talk about Woodland's perspective yeah,
10: on so that. So, this kind of crossed his mind, and, and in the post-game uh, conference uh, or interviews, they, they asked him about Amy because it was such a big story and a lot of people saw it. And he said, you know, what I learned from her is I got this. You know, here she is in her attitude, and, and I get to make that decision what my attitude is going to be like. He hit it in three divots throughout the whole tournament. And that's, you might say, well, you know, they're hitting a lot of fairways and stuff, but that's a lot. I mean, you might get, I think the average PGA Tour player might hit one or two divots on a, maybe none. There's probably a lot of tournaments where they don't hit it in any divots. He hit it in three of them. And he said that's something that could kind of drive um, you know drive you into a negative attitude. But he made two out of three birdies from those divots. So he uh, uh, so his attitude. Obviously, he had a choice. All oh, this sucks. You know, I hit it right down the fairway, and I, and I'm yeah. I'm i i got in bogus lie here. But no, he he birdies two out of three times. So he got that from Amy. And the other thing is he he was zero for seven with the lead. Justin Rose was two back when he won his U.S. Open in, in uh, 2013. Kepka on his heels. Everybody's kind of thinking, uh, Gary Woodland ain't going to win this.
1: But, uh, didn't but he was able to keep his country, head up. Didn't everybody in the country think that Kepka was going to walk him down?
10: I, I, I thought Rose or Kepka. I mean, you know, Rose has a, got a couple majors, and uh, he's got the experience under. But I will tell you this, earlier this year in Maui, Kepka lost the lead. He was up by three going into the final round. He shoots five under and loses. So although he lost, he shot a 67 on Sunday. And I think that was a building experience for him. Uh, and then, of course, just keeping the uh, keeping the attitude right and, and knowing that, hey, I got this. But Kepka, you know, kind of chasing history down. <clears throat> it would have been his third straight U.S. Open. It's only been done once before, but really hasn't been done in modern history. I think Willie Anderson did it you know who Willie Anderson
1: is know. Willie Anderson played right tackle for the Cincinnati Yeah Eagles well okay for different guy very long time out of the uh, University of Auburn if, if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah same
10: guy but back in 1903 <laughs> 04 and 05 he was he was playing he was a scottish guy playing golf
1: willie yeah. anderson one of the founding investors in uh fatburger too if i'm not mistaken so yeah also won three straight u.s open championships a, accomplished, I, that's an accomplished, accomplished fella yeah no. <laughs> that's an accomplished fella ben
10: hogan had a chance i think in the early 50s uh and he finished third in his uh chance at a three-peat and and you got to give Cap a lot of credit i mean Five straight rounds at the U.S. Open in the '60s—that's kind of unheard of, uh, including his final round from uh, last year at uh, um, where? where they
1: play last year? I don't know. I don't know. All right, so you got the Travelers coming up next week, then the Rocket Mortgage Classic, three M Open, July. You move to the John Deere Classic, and then the Open. Yeah. the Open, and I love the Open. I love the Open. Is the is what we call that? Not the British Open. <laughs> Who who's your favorite? I don't know. You know, I, last
10: year was such a great story because Tiger got in the hunt on the backside, and then Francesco Molinari just kind of walked it away from everybody. The
1: um, most boring of the best golfers yeah. on tour. He'd just par you to death. Yeah, yeah. I guess there's something but to be said I, for that because if I could, if I could hit par on every single hole, I guess I'd be satisfied with that. But yeah, that dude's not doing anything special. He just. Grinding. I think in
10: any golf tournament, you gotta, you gotta. I think Kepka's is going to be a threat if it's a major golf tournament. Um, so,
2: like with the British Open being in July, do mm-hmm. you feel like that was a good move to move the PGA up? Just feels like a short season. Like we're about to be yeah, done with all the
10: pretty much uh, by the end of uh, August. I think everything's wrapped up for football season. So they, they basically the PGA tour has allowed the NFL to dictate its schedule. Wow, I mean I, that's essentially what's happened. I'm okay with it. Um, it moved the players' championship back to March and I always kinda like that better. I like the way the uh, T P C sawgrass played in March uh as opposed
2: to May. Um but, but it kinda you bums know. you out that there's unless I'm forgetting something, there's no n- notable event golf wise after the There'll be
10: maybe a world golf championship or something like that afterwards. But Well World yeah, Golf the-
1: Championship is two weeks after the Brit no, actually yeah. Two weeks after the uh, – no, the following week after the Open is the World Golf Championship FedEx uh, St. Jude Invitational at Southwind. Playing in Memphis. Memphis. Is that uh, Southwind? That's not Justin Timberlake's course, is it? Which one did he buy up there? I, do, I don't know. Yeah, I'd to check that out. Of course, sounds, the good. biggest
2: event in the golf is the Wyndham. The right? Wyndham. Um, the we got to see if we can get up there. To That's always
10: the last one before the – Playoffs.
1: Yes, and yeah. I am. Yeah. Oh God, we need to. We've get had, some, We've had good some good times. times at the Wyndham. So uh, yeah, that'll be, in, that'll be in, in Greensboro. Greensboro. Yeah, Snedeker, Snedeker won. Snedeker winners Yeah.
10: you. Well, and you do have the Presidents' Club in De- uh, cup in December. So that's U.S. versus
1: internationals oh, minus
10: yeah, minus Europe.
1: All right, Europe. I can't take any more golf, guys. You don't like with playing golf. golf. I don't like talking about. All right, ho.
10: Before we go, well, who's your pick for the, for
1: the Open? I'm going to take. I, you know what I'm going to take, Xander Shoffley.
10: There you go. You, yeah, you're high on. I'm going to take
1: Xander. I, I really like Xander's game. He's a grinder. He is uh, not the longest hitter, but he finds a way to to get in and out of trouble. I like Xander Shoffley to break through with the British, um, but if I had to bet, I'm going to take Kepka against the, against the field. I think Kepka is uh, he's he's the guy. He, yeah, I, he's I, the we we were talking about it earlier, and I'd like your perspective on this. I, he is a couple of wins away from being into Tiger territory and, oh, yeah. in terms yeah. of his dominance. Um you know, he's about to pass lefty in terms of career accomplishments already. The guy's a Hall of Famer yeah. at this point and he's he hadn't even entered his
10: the only thing he lacks is the regular win. I mean, you know, it, he's got the rest of it, number one in the world. Uh
1: but if you're gonna pick your
2: spots, the majors, why not yeah. just well, do it know. at the majors? I know, don't right? have a pick, but I'm gonna be pulling for my man Varner Oh, yeah, HV3. So, like, he's E-C-U- East Carolina E-C-U- alum, pirate. E-C-U- and E-C-U- how unfair was it to him be paired with well, Tiger Woods that. Well, well, when Tiger won, he didn't he match up with uh, Tiger? Wasn't he with him? I don't. Yeah, I'm sure. But well, I'm just was saying. <laughs> uh, well, just, at the to tour the, championship? Or were you talking about Augusta? I think it was at a. I can't remember, but he yeah. was. He's if you're paired up with Tiger Woods, and the crowd. Nobody is there to see you. How does that make you feel? I I don't know. know, Rory Rory
10: was paired with him in the tour championship. You
2: kind of
1: have to ask in the opposite way. When when HV three shows up at the Wyndham, is it fair to whoever is paired up with him? Yeah, because the ECU alums, oh yeah, brother, they turn out like it's football Saturday. Right. And they will follow him around the course. You He's love, a rock star in I, Greensboro. It's he, even, he
2: might not even be in the British. Outfit. Wouldn't you love? He to, might <laughs> qualify. Wouldn't you it? love to hear somebody yell "arg" in Augusta? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that,
1: that would hey,
2: be. He did Augusta
10: this
1: year, so, That's that's awesome. All right,
2: HV three. got
1: to root for HV three. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we we started off strong, and we got about twenty minutes to go. But we've got to peel this back a little bit more with the old LeBron James. And now, his new Batman or new Robin to his Batman, Anthony Davis. Now, you were asking earlier, Brandon. What do they do? do they pursue another superstar? Do they try to put in pieces? And, and one of the names you dropped was JJ Redick. Redick might be a piece that would come in, but you're you're dealing with a limited amount of salary cap. The Lakers at this point right now have six players under contract. Right. Hmm. S- Six players up, under contract. They ended
2: up keeping the piece that I've always said they should keep. It, yes, Kuzma. they did.
1: They did. You're, and you've been high on Kuzma.
2: That's I, the reason I like him. Is he plays the same regardless of LeBron's in the game or not? Brandon Ingram's game would always change. My feeling, of course, I would like to see like Kimba or Kyrie come to the Lakers. I think that they're already seven to two odds um, in Vegas to win the whole thing for next year. But I, my gut feeling is that they need to put. A team and some depth around LeBron instead of the third superstar because LeBron just sustained his longest and most serious injury of his entire career and you know there's been a lot of minutes put on that body so I feel like he's going to need to you know Kimba Walker being there is not going to help him rest during the regular season so I have a feeling that they need to go for depth and some mid-range talent around those two and then you know for the course of the season you can just give the ball to AD you can coast on him during a regular season because that's the type of player he is.
1: He's a horse. Well, here's the situation. The, the Lakers right now have six players under under contract. Two of those are Isaac Bonga and Jamario Jones. Mm-hmm. Hey. Exactly. So you've got LeBron, Bongo? Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, and Mo, Mo Wagner out of Michigan. you got a lot of work to do. And you don't have your first-round pick, which would have been a guy that would have been relative, well, relatively cheap to add to that. So they've got to go find 10 players to bring in to round out this roster. But you've got to be tempted if a guy like Kimba Walker or Jimmy Butler or Kyrie Irving is an option, you have to be tempted to go out there and throw $35 million a year oh, yeah. Now the problem is that if you do that, you, you literally going. have no money left.
2: You're going to be playing with Tim Copus. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: so what position, what, what position would Copus play if he was on the Lakers? First of all, he would be player slash team manager. Uh, yeah. He'd be and, the, then, <laughs> and then, I don't know, man,
1: just wherever you could hide him on the court. Maybe. About halfway through the game, he'd had everything set up. He'd be the only <laughs> guy in the NBA. He'd be, <laughs> that's funny. He'd be the only guy in the NBA who was a player ticket salesperson cuz you know he show he be
2: selling. He would have one of those little vending things selling beers on the, you know, <laughs> at the bench. He would monetize it in some way. I got one real quick. You had mentioned the Lakers fourth the Embers pick. Embers would show up. You had mentioned uh <laughs> the fourth pick that the Lakers traded to the Pelicans. Now, I've heard some rumors that the Pelicans are maybe essentially trying to move up a little bit. If you're RJ Barrett, is there know. any way would that just be the nightmare that you're, you've lived under Zion Williamson's shadow
1: and Listen, then you end up go starting your pro, pro career if, with the Pelicans? If this situation were a little bit different, I would absolutely be on board with you. And, I, and I've thought that. I'm like, oh, my God, R.J. Barrett's got to be at some point like, come on. I'm going to tell you, though, I've been around those two guys and seen them interact with one another. They may actually get on well enough that they would be excited about the prospect of playing together. I don't know what the Pelicans are going to do with this fourth pick, but with what they have in place right now, with Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, um, the first pick and the fourth pick, New Orleans is not going to be bad next year. Yeah, I think it could be better than the Lakers. They well, I mean, the the thing with the Lakers is going to come down to his health. Yeah. And I'm you know, I'm not saying that LeBron nor Anthony Davis has had, you know, a significant injury history that that would lead me to believe one of them is going to get hurt, but that team is going to be razor thin.
2: I will say one thing. The Pelicans, part of that deal should have been that Lonzo Ball's dad stays with the Lakers.
1: I'm not sure Lonzo's going to start the season with the Pelicans. We'll talk about that in the last segment. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Central North Carolina on WFJ and around the world via podcast on the iTunes podcast app, SoundCloud, and just about any other place you can find a podcast.
0: the Cheap Seats is a production of Cheap Seat Media, LLC, broadcast locally on WFJA 105.5 FM.
8: We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard, where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. <laughs> Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877 DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch.
5: One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference.
7: Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to Goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
1: You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. All right, welcome back From the Cheap Seats. Final segment, final segment. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, Beantown, Roy Costin just hit me with a question in my ear during the break and said, you know, how much longer is LeBron got left? And then what do they do after that? I think he plays out this contract, and that's probably it for him. Uh, so three years. But if the Lakers play this correctly, regardless of how next year goes, it would stand to reason that they transition from LeBron to Anthony Davis, who should be still in his prime, as the center of gravity out there with the Lakers. I think that's the, the goal. I mean, you never know how these, these things are going to work out. And speculating that far into the future is dangerous. Just ask... But- Kevin Durant.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. You know, anything could happen, but I think you got a good – maybe on his fourth year you'll start to see his game slow down. Maybe – you said the contract – three or four years, I guess, is about how long LeBron will be LeBron James that we know. That's why I feel like – you know, we are talking about Kimba Walker or who's a good fit. You know, Kimba Walker's 30. We are talking about 30-year-old point guards, how much do they have left. I feel like that – they're – you know, best years are probably going to line up to be the next three or four years. So I think that's a really good fit for them to chase a championship together.
1: Well, Kimba keeps going into the press and saying all kinds of crazy things about Charlotte that have got to give Hornets fans hope. You know, he said, my first priority is being in Charlotte. Now he's come out and said, I'm willing to take less than the Supermax to stay in Charlotte if they can surround me with talent. All of this, is this fool's gold or is this guy seriously considering staying in charlotte
2: he definitely needs to keep his mouth shut talking about not taking a supermax to stay in charlotte that's not exactly leveraging you know ownership in terms of where you're going to be it it sounds like i don't know why we keep bringing him up because every time i you say something or i hear something it's about him wanting to stay in charlotte but i can tell you right now they're just not if he stays in Charlotte, who are they going to go get to make? Nobody. Nobody wants to be in Charlotte. Well, that's, it, that's like got.
1: See, that's that's beyond. And I know you'd love to trash Charlotte to a certain extent.
2: I love Charlotte. It's just like play. It's not a destination. There's where there, there, there players- is
1: no money. That's the problem. If you bring Kimba back, they are into luxury tax territory. Marvin Williams, NKG, B- Bismack Biombo all on atrocious deals that don't expire until after this season. So that's one year gone. Then you move past that, and you still have Batum and Zeller on atrocious deals that tie up another 40 mil, $42 million worth of cap space. They physically, there it is an impossibility for them to add anything of substance if they bring Kimba back. That's why, I mean, I feel bad for all the people who have
2: Kimba Walker jerseys, jerseys but, you know, the thing about it is, you got you know how children don't know what's best for them and, and you parent them and, and eventually they see that oh okay this is why you did this they just need to be bad for a while that's that's the formula that's going to work in charlotte and don't make such stupid draft picks. You know, you try to draft well, and you're just going to have to be bad for a couple of years and accumulate some of these picks. Having Kimba there, you're going to be on the eight and nine line, and, and either not making the playoffs or getting bounced by Toronto or whoever else. That's well, the it's one. a
1: double edged sword because people, I'm sure that are that are hardcore Hornets fans want Kimba around. Kimba, to my in my mind, is the greatest of the Hornets to come through there. Hasn't had any postseason success. But I feel like Kimba is the greatest Hornet of all time, period. And the numbers don't lie. However, if Kimba sticks around, you are correct. And as much as it pains me to say that, it may be a step in the right direction because Kimba, I'm going to be honest with you, you could put LeBron on that team in place of Kimba with what's there in Charlotte. I don't know that even prime of his career – LeBron could get them to the conference finals. That roster is atrocious up and down with the exception of Mr. Walker, period. Now, if you subtract Kimba from that equation for next year... You don't have to tank, right? You you don't have to tank. (laughs) You're going to be the worst team in the NBA. (laughs) I mean, when you look at it on paper, and it hurts me to say that, I'm a Hornets fan, it will be the worst team in the NBA. Well, just look at
2: it like this. To go back to the Charlotte thing, if in your mind, the top 10 players in the league, have they ever once considered Charlotte? And the answer is no. Like, in terms of going to join Charlotte in free agent, it
1: hasn't been an option because Charlotte has screwed itself with these contracts. But I'm saying, even over if they have. over and over again.
2: Even if they haven't, you know, do you think KD has gone, well, Charlotte might be on my list of the teams to go to? The answer to that is no. So, you're going to, again, you're going to have to build this team through the draft. The only other time they've been any good, they build it through the draft. So I mean, you're just gonna have to stop making these Malik Monk picks with your what seventh or eighth pick in the draft. You got to pick smarter. Um, so you, I mean, that's how you're gonna draft. You're not you, unless you make a big blockbuster trade where the you know players are well under contract and don't have a choice, and that's probably almost never gonna happen. To
1: to ch- make a blockbuster trade, you have to have something of value to give. <laughs> you don't think uh, Marvin and Williams is no, <laughs> no Marvin Williams would not start for any team in the NBA. MKG would not start for any other team in the in the NBA. Bismack Biombo is making starter money to sit on the bench. Nick Batum, and I get, for the apologists out there, I get that Nick Batum was on the cusp and they were staring down the barrel of watching him walk for nothing and thought that he was going to continue his upward trajectory. He's trash, and he's $27 million a year trash. The Zeller deal, paying, paying Zeller $15 million a year, it's just silly, and, and and then you 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 know you blow. The Celtics offered four number ones to trade up to get Justice Winslow a couple years ago, and the Hornets were so stuck on stupid with regard to Frank Kaminsky, they turned it down to take Frank Kaminsky, who's turned out to be nothing. You follow that up and you take Malik Monk and you overdraft an undersized streak shooter who's not going to play defense. He does nothing for your club. Now you follow that up with Miles Bridges last year. Miles Bridges ceiling, seventh or eighth guy coming off the bench on a decent team. You've got to get it right. It has to start now. I don't know that there's going to be a player available for them in the draft, but I do have confidence at this point that Charlotte will find a way to screw it up.
2: What about Hachimura? Do you think he'll be gone by then? I I think think he'd be perfect for them at the 12 spot. I couldn't
1: agree less. I think Hachimura will be the fifth center on that team, on a team that's already got four bad centers. I think Hachimura is that type guy. I don't think he is a dynamic enough presence on offense. I think he's a plug-in guy that will play you a little bit of defense, grab you some rebounds. It will never average more than 12 points a game in the NBA. I disagree. I think he's going to be a good pro. He's like, that's he, not the first, first time about we have That's good. That's going to play center in the NBA. By the way, Kobe White
2: sneaking into talks of the top four, top three picks in the draft. He fake seems news. to be. A,
1: that's fake news. No, if
2: you ask anybody. So this is the only the second time we've David disagreed, and it's happened at the very end of the show. So it's two disagreements
1: right here. Uh, Kobe White, I at four. I put him at seven. I think he goes before seven. I think he's at five or at six. I don't think that he gets into the top four. I could be could be wrong on that, but I I find it hard to believe. First of all, I think the first three is set. I think mm, Williamson, yeah. Ja Morant, R.J. J. Barrett. But I think that at that four spot, y- you pick your poison, and and I think I think it's going to be one of the swing guys, either Jared Culver or DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. That's where I'm thinking. Now here's the here's my caveat to that. Mm-hmm. Is that at the four spot, I said before the break a couple breaks ago, I think, I'm not certain Lonzo Ball is going to be a New Orleans Pelican very long. Right. I have a sneaking suspicion that the Pelicans will send Lonzo Ball down to Phoenix. And the number four pick? Or what? for the number three pick. Straight up? Phoenix owns the sixth pick. Oh, they go backwards. Oh, okay. No, no, no. no. I think straight up. Lonzo Ball two Phoenix for the, the sixth six pick. pick. Okay, so maybe then they
10: get one, four, and
1: six. That's what I think. Mm. I just wouldn't. And want- wouldn't it be something if they took Barrett and Cam Reddish? <laughs> <laughs>
10: that would be awesome. Or, or what, you know, what if they get uh, um, uh, Carolina and Duke flavor together there?
1: Well, if they go – here, here's the thing. And that could be a If they're at 1-4-6, and six, let's just say – and I know that's a, a heck of a hypothetical. But if they're at 1-4-6, and six, at the four spot, assuming Morant's gone, they can pass on a point guard and they can get either Darius Garland or Kobe White at the six spot. Right. And, and I think that's – I mean, if you take – if you go Williamson and then take whichever you prefer, Culver or DeAndre Hunter, the team at the five spot, who I don't even know off the top of my head – but at the five spot, you're staring down the barrel with either Kobe White or Darius Garland, and those are in the top six, seven players in this draft. But it depends on who needs a point guard at that point. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you may have the opportunity if you're if you New Orleans and have gotten that six pick to get your point guard at six. Right. I, it, you, know, you know, I'm a big believer in a di- addition by subtraction. If I'm a GM,
2: I don't want to deal with a big baller brand. At all, I just don't want that potential for them to be a distraction. I mean, do you just think about Lonzo Ball's dad around Zion Williamson? I mean, do you <laughs> really want that? Do you really want that? So, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling like I mean, I like your pick, but if I'm a team, I just I would rather roll the dice on a new player coming into the draft than take. Well, Lonzo here's Ball.
1: the thing that here's the thing that New Orleans has got to figure out is that Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson in a vacuum, it's nice. Because you've got Lonzo Ball, who doesn't want to shoot more than he has to. You know He mm-hmm. wants to distribute the basketball. you got a kid coming in. The eyes of the world are going to be upon him. He's going to want the basketball every time down the floor, for better or for worse. The problem is, Brandon Ingram has already showed he's a streaky scorer at best. Mm-hmm. Drew Holiday, Forte, playing defense, playing off the ball. You've got to find a legitimate scoring threat or three. Mm-hmm. to go into that New Orleans team if Lonzo Ball is going to be effective. Because if you're coming out there with a backcourt of Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday, you like Holiday too. I love Holiday. Holiday and Ball would be one of the better defensive backcourts in basketball. be great. I mean, they got good length. They both play hard on defense, all the rest of that. I don't know where the scoring is going to come from between the two of them. And you're asking Zion Williamson to shoulder an awful lot of burden. You've got to find some more scoring around him. New Orleans' downfall through the Anthony Davis era has been that they haven't had wing scoring. Well, they don't magically have wing scoring now that they traded away Anthony Davis. And I don't think Brandon Ingram is necessarily the solution. You know, he's he's not part of the problem, but I, I need to see some more scoring somewhere from that team or they're really going to struggle to run up and down the floor with teams out in the Western Conference. That's where I'm at with that.
2: Thoughts? No, I mean, I just – going back to the Lakers, uh, you know, they lost heart. They need perimeter shooting. They need a point guard. It'll be interesting to find out what they end up doing. Uh, I just wish we could get into the minds of these – I guess Jalen Rose called them the four Ks. is Clay, Kyrie, Kawhi, and who's the other one? Uh, can't remember who the other free agent is going Kimba. to be. Kimba Walker. Kimba. Yeah. So um So – the NBA is as interesting now than it's ever been. Uh, it's it been in a long time in terms of the the shift of power from team to team. I mean, just think about it. You know, Golden State was, you know, the best team that's ever lived. And now look at their, they're basically in shambles right now with um, Durant leaving and Klay Thompson with the ACL. I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. they got to work out a deal with Draymond Green coming up here pretty soon. So, I mean, just finding out who the Lakers get and that shift of power is very interesting to me.
1: All right, and the other team to keep an eye on in the out west is Houston, who seems amenable to sell off anything. And if Chris Paul winds up going from Houston to the Lakers, remember that you heard it, heard it here first. It's hard to make work with numbers. I don't think the Lakers should want him, but Me Chris neither. Paul seems pretty badly to want to get himself to L.A. right now. Houston would give him away for. Uh, literally a bag of basketballs. So we'll see how it all shakes out. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us here in Central North Carolina on WFJ 105.5. This is from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Diamond Dave Kaplan. Professor Trent was here for a while. A minute. Before he got run out of here. But you can catch us on the Internet at CheapSeatRadio.com. Check out the podcast. We'll see you next week. Peace!
5: And Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.